Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek, the only podcast with your hosts, Dan Gunther and Bruce Gibson. Bruce, are you ready to talk a doubleheader of Trek this week? Oh, well, yes, of course I am, because... Yeah, it was a big double header this week, and I watched them back to back, not once, but twice. Oh, excellent. I didn't get a chance to watch them twice. I had to work that day, so we watched Picard in the morning, and then late at night after I got home, we watched Strange New Worlds. So it was a it was a day bookended by Star Trek, which can be nothing but a good day. <laughs> Yeah, it it was kind of a strange day for me because it was also Revenge of the Fifth for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Not that that's any big thing necessarily, but I got up super early to watch these episodes. And in some ways, maybe, I mean, that was a good idea, not a good idea, because at one point I was just like so tired. I'm like, wait, what's going on again? <laughs> I wasn't as fresh to watch them like I should have been. But then afterwards, I was meeting a friend for lunch who's not a Star Trek fan, but a huge Star Wars fan. And all he wanted to talk about was Star Wars. And I'm like, but but I just saw Picard and Strange <laughs> New Worlds. I don't want to talk about Star Wars right now. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It's the big Star Wars month, right? But it's a big month for Star Trek, too. We're kind of worming our way in there with the finale for season two of Picard and the premiere of the series Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which, of course, we will talk about both of those episodes a little later in the episode. We've got some news to share before then, but, uh, yeah, so excited to talk about both of those episodes. This is going to be a big episode, folks. I don't know what the runtime is going to end up being on your player, but it's probably going to be a slightly larger episode than usual just because of all we have to talk about. Yeah, I would say maybe five hours is where we'll cap it at that's, that point. Yeah, that's kind of our max. <laughs> oh my gosh. <No. sighs> All right. Well, uh, let's get right to the news then, uh, because we've got some news this week, some good, some bad. But uh, yeah, depending on your perspective, I guess. And the first bit of news, you know, warning if you don't want any spoilers for the upcoming season three of Star Trek Picard. But we've gotten some news that multiple Star Trek Picard actors have confirmed that they will not be in season three. And uh, this is a little bit sad. The first I saw of this was Alison Pill posting on social media that she didn't participate in filming of Star Trek Picard's third season. Not a big, huge surprise given where we see her character going. And we won't really talk about that outside of the episode. We'll get there. But uh, yeah, so Dr. Agnes Girardi, her story has come to an end and she will not be in season three. That one is actually the bigger surprise for me because the way that episode ended, I would think that she's got at least one more chance to 
to do something more like when mm. the season starts off based on how the season ends. And, but maybe when she says she's not returning for season three, it's possible that they filmed th- when they were filming the last episode of season two, they filmed a scene or something that's going to be in the first episode of season three. So she didn't really return for season. I don't know. It's just that, that one I would thought that one, I thought maybe she'd have some kind of role at least early in the season. Yeah. Agreed. That does kind of make sense that, you know, even though we wouldn't see her as we knew her as Dr. Agnes Girardi, that, yeah, she would come back somehow. So that is kind of strange. One that's not much of a surprise, given what happened in the last season, is Santiago Cabrera. He will not be returning as Captain Rios in season three of Picard. Trying to avoid major spoilers for the episode we're going to be talking about, but it makes sense that he's not back, which is unfortunate because he has really become one of my favorites in this new cast. Yeah. As that season finale ended, I'm trying to tap dance around this in a way, but as that ended, I, at that time I thought, Oh, I guess we're not getting more of him next season. So yeah, that wasn't that big of a surprise. Yeah, for sure. This one is a surprise to me. Actually, the the next two are a bit of a surprise for me. Evan Evagora uh, has apparently mentioned that he is not returning for the third season. He announced that on his Instagram account in the last week. So, uh, yeah, Elnor. No Elnor. I won't say anything about season two, but no Elnor in season three. That's uh, that's disappointing. I really like that guy. Yeah, that also was a surprise to me, too, because of what happened in this finale that, oh, okay, well, yeah, I guess we're going to see him in season three. Great. Oh, wait, no, we're not. Okay, so when we get to a review, I'll say a little more on that but uh yeah that's a bit of a surprise too yeah for sure and then this last one was just announced on instagram may 6th isa brionis also not returning so we don't get any soji or corey i guess or any of her characters returning either so this one i mean we only saw Soji in, I think, the first episode of this season. I kind of expected we'd get back to her maybe in season three, but apparently the story of that season is leaving that character behind as well. Yeah, unless, unless you know, they're all just kind of saying this, but we're going to be surprised and they do make cameo appearances or something. I don't know, but maybe she'll get her own spinoff series. I oh, doubt it. But... We'll talk about that because I have oh. thoughts. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say spin-off series or appear somewhere else or whatever. But yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this all kind of comes back to one of the things we talked about when they announced that the TNG cast would be returning for season three. I think both of us said we really hope that doesn't mean that like the newer cast kind of gets squeezed out of the story. But I mean, unfortunately, that does kind of seem to be what's happening a bit with Picard season three being a big TNG cast reunion. It looks like to make room for some of those characters, the newer ones are just kind of not focusing on them or, or leaving them behind a bit story wise. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. I mean, I do want to see these characters continue, but the way this season finale ended, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm not left going, wait, there's more to tell or, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. And knowing that it's the last season too, and they're bringing back the TNG cast, it's almost 
now I'm a bit ex- more excited to think, well, even if they're not all coming back, that just gives us more time maybe with the TNG cast. And this is the last hurrah. So, yeah, why don't we take advantage of it? Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, we do know there are some cast members who are returning. Both Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd have mentioned filming in season three. So Raffi and Seven are back for sure. Uh, And interestingly, with regards to the TNG cast, there was a post by Gates McFadden talking about having completed her first six episodes in season three. So these aren't just little cameos by the TNG cast. It looks like they're in for, or at least, Gates McFadden, let's be fair, is in for a significant part of the season. Wow, I hadn't seen that. And I was thinking maybe we get sprinklings of the cast and yeah, wow, six episodes. At that's, least. That's yeah. significant. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I see where we're going here. I'm all for it. Let's do it. I'm pretty eager. Well, we won't uh, get that until next year at least, but... Uh, Yeah, lots of tidbits, lots of fun things to look forward to in the Star Trek universe with regards to Picard, even though season two has ended. So let's move on from that to talk a little bit about some news from Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Of course, we got the first episode. We're going to talk about that later. And everyone was kind of surprised a few weeks ago when we got the reveal that James T. Kirk would show up in season two. And now there's been a recent interview with showrunner Henry Alonzo Myers talking about that Kirk appearance. And the main thing I want to pull out of this is his assertion that you must assume nothing when it comes to Kirk's appearance. So we've seen lots of speculation. Oh, is Pike going to be removed as captain and they're going to bring Kirk in? It's going to become a Kirk show, blah, blah, blah. And his response to that is just like, Don't assume anything. There's lots of different ways they can bring Kirk in. Lots of surprising, lots of obvious ones and some that are less obvious. So don't make any assumptions about that. So not really surprising because, you know, things never turn out the way people just assume they're going to. But I'm curious to see what they do with this. I'm keeping my mind open. I'm not making any assumptions on anything. I mean, we've talked about on previous episodes is, are we seeing Kirk maybe in the near future? And that's like, he's this, you know, we're seeing a flashback to something or yeah. Does he become captain earlier or does he fill in or what? I mean, we could go on and on with different things. I mean, he could just be showing up just to visit, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Or they're rescuing him from something. I mean, who knows? I don't even know if he's just in one episode. It could be multiple episodes. He could be like Gates McFadden being six episodes for all I know, you know, he could join the crew. I mean, I'm fine with that. Like I'm open to anything as long as it works and it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll put a link to this interview. It's not a long interview. It's pretty short over on Trek Core. I'll put the link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. Some interesting comments there. Not not a lot given away. Just kind of telling us all to like relax. They have a plan. It's probably not what you think. So <laughs> and for all you haters out there, you're still going to hate it no matter what we do. So just relax. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll still hate it. Don't worry. We got you covered. Well, final bit of news. Uh, One question I've personally been getting from a lot of Star Trek fans, and I know a lot of people are wondering about this. uh, When will Strange New Worlds be available outside of the U.S. and Canada? And and where can people watch it and that sort of thing? Uh, So Paramount Plus 
is going to be where it's generally airing around the world with a few exceptions, notably Canada and, and a couple other markets. But uh, we have some dates now for when Paramount Plus will be available in some of those markets that haven't gotten Star Trek Strange New Worlds yet. Uh, so the UK and Ireland will get Paramount Plus on June 22nd, including Strange New Worlds at that time. And I had seen somewhere else that uh, there are other different launches later in the year. Uh, South Korea is another one that will get it in June. Launches are planned in Italy, Germany, France, Switzerland, and Austria in the second half of the year. So that's later in the year 2022. No hard date on that yet. Uh, and then a couple other markets in 2023. It looks like India will get it in 2023. So kind of a slow rollout for some of these markets, but uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, for a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, it's this is one of those good news, bad news things. Good news is it's coming. The bad news is you have to wait, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but eventually, once you get it, more than likely, every new Star Trek property that comes out, you won't have to wait for it. It will be in the app and you'll get it when everybody else gets it. That's the good news for later. I am surprised you said India's in 2023. I don't know why that's taking so long. You know, you know, since I work in this industry, I, I can relate to this whole stuff of distribution because that's what I do. Again, I, I hear comments online. It's not as easy as you think. It's not like, you know, oh, come on, Paramount. Just put the app out there. I can tell you from personal experience right, right now, my company launched an online service at the beginning of May, and I'm still struggling to get that launched on every platform. And it's not that the platforms don't want it. Sometimes there's business decisions that are delaying things for whatever reason, where the parties aren't in agreement. But the other thing is, a lot of these platforms have so much going on that you just have to get on their schedule. And so you say, hey, I want to launch May. And they're like, well, but we've got all this other stuff. We want to, we'll launch you in June. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going through that right now of trying to get a service launched ASAP. And I'm still struggling with some of these platforms to get the service up now. You know, I have people saying it'll probably be June telling me at these big platform companies. So there's just so much stuff in the works of there. So no one at Paramount called me about this, but I'm pleading for them just to say, please understand, we're trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's one of those things where if something falls in your wheelhouse and you're kind of an expert on it, you're watching this going like, oh, yeah, I get it. And probably shaking your head at a lot of people who are saying the things like, like you're saying, like, oh, come on, just hurry it up. It can't. Yeah, it's it's never that easy. So I, I mean, my heart goes out to our international listeners who haven't had a chance to watch some of these shows yet. I feel for you. I really do. And I mean, it, it's kind of one of those there, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, like it could just as easily have been that some deal fell through and Canada doesn't get it for, you know, a few months or something like that. But I, I guess, thankfully, uh, we've got this Bell Media monopoly here in Canada that has somehow negotiated this agreement that we get it all on Crave and CTV Sci-Fi. Yeah. Uh, don't know when that, that'll probably change to Paramount Plus at some point in the future, but not sure when that'll be. Yeah, I, I can imagine it being tough that you can't legally get the content and... 
you know, and a lot of people will say, well, I'll just illegally watch it. Or some people say, I feel like I, I'm being forced to watch it illegally, but I still don't feel right to do it, so I don't want to do it. But then you get to that thing where you're like, okay, well, you know, I can wait till June or I can wait till the summer. Maybe, maybe you're a person like, I can be patient. But at the same time, then what do you do about the podcasts you listen to, mm-hmm. like this one? Or, you know, you're on social media. I mean, what, do you put yourself in lockdown and you just stop listening and you just stop tweeting or Instagramming or whatever? I mean, that's that's the tough part is it's hard to be patient and wait when there's so much noise going on and you can't participate. Yeah. Back in the day, it was just you don't buy the Star Trek magazine. <laughs> that was kind right. of it. Um, but yeah, nowadays, everything's just there's so much chatter out there about all of this it's really hard to avoid so yeah because back in the day if you were in the uk and the series hasn't premiered well no one around you none of your friends have seen it either because you're all there in the uk you're you can't see what's going on and you can't hear the chatter that's going into your point well just don't read that one magazine don't read the the reader's comments in the back about it you know for a while i mean that's pretty much it but it's it's certainly is different now Well, with all of that said, let's uh, move on to our episode discussions this week. And to start out with, we'll talk about the season two finale of Star Trek Picard, the appropriately titled Farewell. And we'll get to that right after this brief break. You ask me why it matters. It matters to me. You matter to me. Even gods have favorites, Jean-Luc. And you've always been one of mine. So 10 episodes, a season-long story set in the 21st century. We're trying to save the future. And it all comes down to this. We've got the episode Farewell, season 2, episode 10. Picard and crew kind of uh, figuring out exactly what this has all been about and where it all is going. And we've made several comments throughout the season that there's a lot of stuff being set up and a lot of questions being raised and not a ton of answers. And do we get those answers sufficiently in this episode? Let's talk about it. So, Bruce, you mentioned you watched this episode twice. Your experience watching this episode, was it what is was it satisfactory to you? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The way you're setting this up, I'm like, what does Dan think? I'm like really curious now. I'm an enigma. So... You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna be totally open and honest. So again, because I got up so early, or what is early for me, and I've said before I got up, but this was even earlier than usual when I get up to watch stuff because I knew it was a double episode. And I had a lot going on that day for work. Um, again, there was time I, I watched it, and when I was done, I was like, I liked it, but I'm I don't know. Wait, why this? And why did I miss something? And and again, I don't know if part of that was because I just got up and I wasn't fully awake. And so maybe I wasn't as alert, you know, but I did feel I wasn't, I won't say I was confused. I did feel just like, you know, well, wait, does that make sense? Or wait, did I miss something there? I was just running it through my mind, but I didn't have time to run it through my mind and think about it because then I wanted to jump to strange new worlds immediately after watching this. So, 
Uh, but then the second time I watched it, it was a much better experience. I was fully awake and I was like, oh, this is flowing better for me. And oh, yeah, it's like making more sense because I'm awake. So mm. that's how it worked for me. How about you, Dan? Because now I'm really curious. Well, like I said, I just watched it the one time and I still have questions. I still have some things that I'm curious about. But for the most part, I have to say, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought this was a lot of fun. It was great character moments and mostly satisfactory answers to some things. There's still a couple of things that I'm a little curious about and I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on as well. But yeah, for the most part, I'm kind of there. There's a few parts where I'm like, that seems like it was convenient or whatever. But yeah, generally I enjoyed this one. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I don't know. I mean, it's not my favorite episode of Star Trek. I mean, to me, it's almost about average. I mean, even if no, I hadn't thought about it, when I'm thinking about season finales, I would put this probably, oh gosh, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about that much, but I don't know, maybe in the middle, a little below middle or something hmm. for season finales, if I'm counting all Star Trek series. But I, I think one of the things I struggle with a little is sometimes I feel like they're trying to do a little too much, you know, too much story beats that they have to wrap up or tie in or, and sometimes I feel like they're just like, well, just go with this, you know, because as I'm watching or doing my rewatch of DS9, I sit through an episode. I typically don't go, well, wait a second. What about, well, wait, wait, that didn't really make sense to me. But a lot of times when I watch these newer Star Treks, because there's so much and it's going so fast at times that I'm in an episode going like, well, wait a second, you know, and I noticed I don't do that in the older episodes because I feel like they take a little more time. It's, you know, I don't want to say it's a simpler story, but it's not as they're not trying to jam as much into it. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not t saying that I didn't like the episode or it's a negative. It's just, I really did enjoy it, but I'm just, I'm, I can't wait to get to the stuff where you're questioning things. So okay. Figure these out. <laughs> well, let's jump into it then, because like you said, there's a lot going on. So uh, we have to uh, jump into the prophecy, I guess they're calling it from the Borg queen in the previous episode that for, uh, one Renee to live, another must die or something like that. And we kind of get the answer to that in this Talon seems to immediately realize what she means. And Picard looks at her and <gasps> realizes what that means as well. And I, I admit to still be being kind of like, what, what, I don't know what. And then when that's revealed, it's like, oh, okay, okay. So what did you think of the resolution to that, where it's basically Talyn using her disguise to look like Renee and taking the bullet, so to speak, for the real Renee so she could go on the mission there? Because, yeah, she basically pretends to be Renee and, and is murdered by Sung, and so Renee can go on this mission here. Yeah, I like the resolution. I mean, it wasn't what I was thinking. Like, I ran different scenarios in my, what does it mean? You know, one must live and the other must die. And that I didn't come up with in my head. Like, oh, well, maybe somebody impersonates her, disguises as Renee and takes the bullet, like you said. But yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think now. <laughs> See, when you ask the question, my mind starts racing through other things. It's like, why would Agnes know about that? Because I guess she knows about the future, but did it always happen because she told her to do it and gave her the hint to do it? Mm. Or did, <laughs> did Talon just naturally do it? 
on her own, and Agnes saw that in the future, but still gave them the hint to do it just to be secure. You know, that's when we get into this weird timey-wimey stuff where my head starts to hurt. See, I and I, I don't know exactly why she would do this, but my thinking on it was that, like, she wasn't even, like, predicting the future or anything like that. She right. is just so good at calculating things that she saw the answer and is like, oh, this is this is how to do it. Uh, because they talked about her calculating the the calculations for time travel and stuff. She's just like weighed all the variables in her head and said, okay, this is the the best way to resolve this. Why she had to give it to them in a riddle, that I don't know. I don't understand that part. But like why she wouldn't just say, oh, Talon has to do this and then blah, blah, blah. And Yeah, I would say that maybe because she's a Borg queen, she sees multiple timelines mm-hmm. and she see times she sees timelines where Talon does this and other timelines where Talon doesn't. And she knows that the idea may be in Talon's head and Talon sometimes makes the choice to do it and not to do it. And so maybe the riddle is just to give Talon that little push in this timeline to do it. That makes sense actually. Yeah. Cause is it Q that says later that, that Talon dies in every timeline, but this is the only timeline where she gets to meet Renee. Was that Q? I can't remember. It might be. I did like that line though. I was like, Oh wow. You know, that's so meaningful to her kind of thing. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the whole timey wimey and different timelines and Q can see the timelines. The Borg Queens can see the timelines and other characters that appear in this episode can see timelines. It's just like, I, I, I don't know, you know, the, like the bullet holes and Picard's like, hey, those are there growing up. You know, it's like, oh, OK, so this was always meant to happen. So this did happen in our timeline. I don't know if we want to go there yet on this or not. <laughs> well, yeah, no, let's talk about that, because that is that was one of our predictions that like, oh, maybe all of this stuff that's been happening they'll be able to kind of sweep it away because it's all part of what was supposed to happen. And it sounds like that's kind of what they're trying to say with, you know, the bullet holes. He always assumed they were there when the Picards retook the place in the 21st century, but these are the bullet holes. So this is what was meant to happen. So, you know, they kind of get away with all the messing about they've done because it was a predestination paradox, I guess. Uh, Yeah, and that's where my head starts to hurt, because in order for them to make this happen, their timeline would have to exist before they could go back and make this happen. But if the timeline didn't, if they didn't make this happen, then the timeline wouldn't exist for them to go back and make it happen. Like, uh, and so my mind starts going into this wild stuff of, well, maybe we get this alternate timeline that we get the beginning of the season And then something occurred where these characters, not the way we know them now, did go back in time for some whatever reason and alter the timeline. And it keeps happening over and over again, creating new timelines to the point that we get to this point and the characters already exist because of the multiple. I don't know. It's I'm I'm already getting confused. (laughs) That's that's the paradox part of the the predestination (laughs) paradox thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Your nose is bleeding. (laughs) No, not actually. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. It's it's hard to wrap one's mind around. And, you know, it's I feel like it exists mostly for them to say, like, we don't have to 
worry too much about all of the changes they made because they weren't actually changes. They were just part of what was supposed to happen, which harkens back to the original Assignment Earth episode, because that's how that episode ended as well, with them realizing, oh, the Enterprise was merely part of what was supposed to happen. Whatever supposed to happen means when it comes to timelines, like it's not like there's some sort of governing authority that is like, Yes, that's fine. Nope, that's not fine, you know, but eh, we'll just go with it. Well, I, I hope you don't mind. I'd like to kind of jump to something later in the episode oh, for that sure. I first had a problem with, but then then I realized this actually works. So when Rios decides to stay behind, mm-hmm. Picard's like, you know, you can't do that, you know? And he's like, oh, but I, I never felt like I belonged in the other, <laughs> in the future, and I'm in love, and I need to be here, and cigars are better, and the food's better, you know? And Picard's like, oh, okay, sure then. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> seriously? Like, you're just going to go, oh, okay. That bothered me at the end of the episode. But having thought about it since and watching it again, I realized, well, wait, no. Picard realizes early on in this episode because of the bullet holes and stuff that what they're doing was always meant to happen and they're not necessarily there to judge what they can do or not do to affect the timeline because they've all, whatever they do in this period of time was always meant to happen. So if Rio says, I'm staying behind, I think in Picard's mind, he realizes, yeah, that probably it was always always happened and I should just let it happen. Yeah. And that makes sense for sure. And it's similar to Picard hiding the skeleton key for right. his younger self to find, which he kind of, I think realizes if he doesn't do that, he breaks the timeline. And yes, even though it leads to all of this heartache and pain, that that's something that he must do. And it seems like that's the moment that he sets the future on its course, because that's the moment Q chooses to appear and basically say, bravo, you, you've done what you needed to do kind of thing. Yes, he passed the test. And, that, and, and that's the thing. When we lead our daily lives, we're not sitting here, you know, well, should I do this or this? Because I, I don't want to negatively affect the timeline. I don't want to disrupt it. Like we don't think about the timeline. We just live in it. And I think that's what Picard realizes that, Oh, this was always meant to happen. I shouldn't make decisions on whether I'm affecting the timeline or not. I should just let it take place. Cause that's what happened. And if I feel like putting the key there, if like, you know, I shouldn't think like that, that is part of the test, right? Is mm-hmm. putting the key there for sure. But I think also just accepting you know, what happens, happens. Yeah. It's funny. There's a quote I love where it says something like in science fiction stories, we're always so worried about characters going and changing, doing something to change the past, but we feel that we don't have the power to change the future right now. And I'm like, oh man, that's a, that's a good quote. (laughs) That is a really good one. (laughs) So yeah, we've, we've got all kinds of um, interesting 
wrap-ups here to what's going on. I also want to say, just jumping back, the uh, infiltration of the launch site by Talon. I was really getting Assignment Earth vibes from that as well, from when Gary Seven was was beaming into the launch site for the nuclear weapon and stuff and was making changes there. I was like, oh, I kept expecting to hear that same voice that they always have in the original series. That would have been great. (laughs) That would have been really cool. Uh, You know, one more little Easter egg for us fans in a season with lots of Easter eggs, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah. And so looking back at that again, the first time I watched it, this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if I was fully awake. That's why when I watched it the first time afterwards, I'm like, wait, what? Because when Talon gets the uniform and the pass to get through security, I was like, wait, what is that? Like, what? She was able to just find a pass of like somebody that looks like her or something. And oh, wait, she says that she like, you know, Renee's partner in this mission is sick or something like that just seems it. But then the second time I watched it, I noticed that she's looking around and sees this other astronaut or whatever follows her and like, I guess does whatever she did to get the the badge or whatever that somewhat looks like her same size, same kind of look. So she looked for someone that she could maybe pass for, but I didn't pick that up the first time I watched it. I do have to say that was one of the parts where I was like, this seems really convenient that she's able to kind of get in there and get through security and stuff. And whatever happened to that other astronaut, like, is she on that ship or did she knocked out in some closet somewhere? I I wondered that too, because they'd be looking for her. Yeah. So I don't think she is. I think she got like an extra uniform or something, but it just seemed strange that I was like, wait, how did that all work? Okay, but now now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking about this more. She did get that officer's badge, though. She did mm. get the badge. But because Renee mentions she sees the badge and says, you're not whoever. But then now I think about it, Talon is able to change the look of her face to look like Renee. Why wouldn't she do that to look like the astronaut? That's what I was thinking. But there was that line in a previous episode that she was like she couldn't use it to change her appearance for another four hours or something, which which also doesn't really square with what we see in this episode, because unless it's been four hours, I don't know, maybe it's been four hours since she changed her face to look like Renee, but she's able to change it back pretty quickly when she's with Picard later. So I don't know. I guess that's just her turning it off. So wait, that does make sense. That's fine. Yeah. never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, but see, those are those little things that you're like, oh, well, in a previous episode, she did say whatever. That's where I feel like sometimes it gets confusing that if you start to binge watch this and all that stuff is more fresh in your mind, mm-hmm. like they plant all these little hints and things in there. And if you miss it, then you might question things or be a little confused. That's what I was saying earlier about they're jamming so much in that when I get to an episode, I'm going, well, wait a second. And I don't do that as so much on the older Star Treks. Yeah. Because they're more self-contained. So Talon sacrifices herself, uh, which is, you know, a really sad scene, of course. And I, I got to ask, did you see that coming? That reveal that the Renee who was dying was actually Talon when she was kind of there in Jean-Luc's arms? Or was that a surprise? It started to occur to me because when Renee saw Picard, she said, Picard. And I thought, well, wait a second. Did her last? He didn't identi- yeah. yeah, he didn't <laughs> identify himself as Picard, having the sa- same last name as her when he met 
Renee. Mm-hmm. So I was like, for her to go Picard, and then she says Jean Luc. Uh, wait, this doesn't sound right. And then I started to went, wait, is this Talon? When yeah, like he's holding her, and it was like, you know, and I it did like right right before the reveal, it was starting to click. Yeah, I I knew something was up. Like when when she ran out and was like Doctor Sung, blah blah blah. You know, I knew that wasn't just her denying Talon and and saying, oh my gosh. I, I, there's a strange woman after me, blah, blah. I knew that wasn't on the face of it what was happening, but I wasn't sure exactly what the play was exactly. I thought she was distracting him somehow, which she was because it was, but I didn't figure out it was Talon until, like you said, the Picard thing definitely made me go, what? And then kind of realized something's off here. And then, oh, of course, yeah, she has that that technology, so... Yeah, it was it was well done. It was a good reveal, though. Yeah, I mean, when she came running out of that room down the hallway towards Soong, I thought it really was Renee playing up. Yeah. That, oh my gosh, somebody exactly. Yeah, she's yeah. she's in on the plan, and she's going to distract Soong or whatever she's going to do, and then Talon's going to sneak out and go do something. Like I thought she was doing something like that, you know. But yeah, it it wasn't Renee. It's it's the one that must die. Yeah. Like. Spock must die, that famous novel. <laughs> Renee must die. <laughs> well, let's talk about Brent Spiner a little bit because he has some moments in this episode that I'm just like, oh, you you absolute horrible. Okay, first of all, he can <laughs> scoff like nobody's business. Like that poor woman that's showing him in and stuff. And whatever she says, he's like, well, why would you say, you know, He's so good at being just a, I'm going to say it, he's a dick in this. He's so good at it to get what he wants and to get where he needs to get. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. No, I love that. Actually, now that I I hadn't thought about it, but now that you're mentioning it, that's probably my favorite soon scene from this season (laughs) is just him with this woman is like, how dare you talk that way How do, and this woman i felt so bad oh, for this woman she's just trying to be nice and like oh i'm excited but he's twisting what she's saying as if like you know are you trying to distract are you trying, preventing me from you know all the do you things not remember I've done for you how much money my generous donation oh <laughs> <Right>? man <laughs> yeah he did that really well that yeah. was that was pretty bad <laughs> and we were thinking like watching this like you know if that was jeff bezos or elon musk or somebody like absolutely that's they would be able to get whatever they want because of how rich they are and whatever uh it's that's that's a sad reality as well it is but i also like the scene later when his files are being wiped away too yes his reactions (laughs) to all that i was like yes revenge (laughs) oh that was amazing yeah that was quite the moment for sure well, let, let's talk a little bit about that scene then. And I kind of like this jumping all over the episode. That, this, me too. This works <laughs> for this episode. It's getting me more excited. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he gets all of his files deleted and we see that it's Corey that's doing it. All of the, those files that he has on his hard drives are wiped. Uh, I guess he didn't save them to the cloud. So, you know, haha. He reaches into a drawer and pulls out a, a hard folder, analog written folder and it says project con <gasps> dun dun <Yes>. dun <laughs> yeah so my first thought on that was oh okay so he's the one who creates 
con, I'm in quotes, and so we're moving the eugenic wars later in the timeline for this new show or whatever. That was my first thought. But the second time I watched it, I actually noticed mm. the date. Because when they do this, the date's there as yeah. October, was October 10th? It's 1996. I, n- I remember that. Uh, June 7th, 1996. June 7th. Okay, so June 7th, 1996. Then I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, this is leading into the Enterprise episode with the Augments, his future son or grandson or whoever it is, and the Augments and all that. This is leading to that, which makes sense, of course. Yeah, that second time I watched it, noticing the date, the problem I had with that is when they sh- show the file... It, they zoom into the file and the date is, you know, come is off screen fairly quickly. I wish they would have kept that there, not just zoom on it saying Project Con. I wish they just would have kept that shot steady so you have a time to really notice the date. This is interesting. And, and I've seen some people commenting on this and, and some people who missed the date and like you were initially assuming this was, you know, a changed premise and that kind of thing. Which would be, I think, hard to do because Khan says pretty clearly he left Earth in the year 1996. And, you know, that's hard to kind of retcon. So I'm glad they're not really doing that. There's also, and and tiny, tiny, tiny spoilers for our upcoming discussion of Strange New Worlds. Not a huge spoiler, but they do mention the eugenics wars as something that's in the 21st century as well. And I think they get away with that with the eugenics wars with the S there. So I'm wondering if Sung has some part to play in that coming up in the 21st century as well, which becomes World War Three or something like that as well. So they they get a little bit of they get away with it a little bit there with the plural on wars. So there's more than one, maybe. Because Spock does talk about the eugenics wars, your so-called World War Three in space seed. Right. So it, that's already been a little muddy. Yeah. I've always kind of thought when we hear eugenic wars and the world war three and everything that they're all kind of tied together in some manner based on other books we've read and how things have been portrayed with not so much of a clear, like, okay, this is when this was, this, I mean, yeah, eugenic wars we knew was what 92 to 96 or something, but I mean, yeah, there could be multiple ones, like you said, eugenic wars. It could be a part of World War Three, or it could be that there's multiple wars that happen over a period of time. And in history, they just lump that all together because there's one leads to the other, which leads the other. And they just holistically refer to it as World War Three, you know, yeah. or something to that effect. Yeah, absolutely. So it's all, I I think it works. I was worried about that as well until I saw the date there and saw others others commenting on the date. I was kind of like, wait, what are they doing? But no, I feel okay about it. My continuity, my precious canon is is okay. (laughs) And I was okay with it when I first thought, oh, this is leading into Khan, so we're just adjusting, you know, we're not going to keep up with what was said in TOS, we're just going to, you know, and I I was even okay with that if they were going to do that. But because we know, we lived through 1996 and we know it didn't happen. Or did it? Read the Greg Cox books. Maybe it did. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which is still in my head canon. But then... Again, when I watched it the second time, and yeah, there's the date. The date goes out of frame as they're zooming in on it. I just wish they would have kept it there so 
more people would notice it. I think like me, it gets off frame before you even notice the date. Okay, let's, uh, what do we want to talk about next? Um, we've got Corey here because we just talked about her deleting the files. So let's talk about another scene with her after she's kind of uh, done this thing and she's wandering about. She's visited by somebody, somebody who has control over space and time. Oh, it's not Q. She's visited by the entity formerly known as Wesley Crusher and Will Wheaton gets his appearance here as the traveler. What did you think of this? Was this, was this a surprise? Did you see this coming at all? I don't know how, but (laughs) I knew this all along ever since the series, (laughs) not the season, the series. No, no, this is totally a surprise. I was not expecting it. There was no hints leading into this at all. I mean, even just the idea of what Corey is going to do and be like a traveler or this, you know, a watcher or agent or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that didn't even occur to me. You know, I kept expecting like when that scene started, I'm like, oh, yay, we're going to see her on the beach. (laughs) Because I kept waiting for that. (laughs) But but no, I did not see that coming out. So, yeah, it was a it was a big surprise. I was just disappointed that when he showed up, he didn't go, hey, nerd. Yeah, that's what I wanted him I to say. I knew you'd her. bring that up. I was like, <laughs> okay, when when's Bruce going to say this? Because every time he has to say, hey, ner- hey yep. nerds or whatever. Everybody take a drink now. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> yeah. Um, sad truth. Sad, sad little bit. I had this kind of spoiled for me. I didn't know when or how he'd show up. But I always set up the spoiler threads in the group, even though I haven't watched the thing. So I get notifications and I saw a notification um, for a comment that said, so Wesley Crusher is Doctor Who now? And I was like, wait, what? Uh, ah, no. Uh, yeah, I saw that comment yeah, after I watched the episode. But yeah, yeah. dang, you saw that. <laughs> I saw it before, So, but that's okay. You need to turn off notifications for those posts. Yeah, you know, if I remember to do that, that'd be a great thing. <laughs> but that's okay. It was still a surprise as to like the role he had in the episode and what he was doing and stuff. Uh, that was pretty cool. And Nikki can attest to this when I was watching it with her, he said, you know, I'm, I'm a traveler and we do this and we have supervisors. And so first of all, tying them to Gary seven and their group, that's cool. Very nice. Uh, I turned to Nikki and I said, I smell a spin off. <laughs> and I don't, I don't necessarily think they're actually going to do this, but it seemed so apart from the rest of the story that like, why do we need to know what happens to Corey? I don't think it's essential to the story, but Wesley showing up and, and recruiting her and them leaving together. It's just like, it felt like set up for something else. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's not like if, if they never do anything with this again, I wouldn't be surprised, but Star Trek travelers starring Will Wheaton and Issa Briones. I would be there like kind of like a doctor who take on Star Trek or something. Yeah. That would be so cool. I would be there for that. Yeah. He's doctor who and she's his companion. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just need a TARDIS and they're good to go. So yeah, I don't think we're going to get a spinoff. I mean, possibly, but I wonder if they won't appear in a future episode of Strange New Worlds or appear in a future episode of Discovery, because 
time and space. I mean, Wesley can go anywhere and she can go with him. and what, So they can pop up in any of these series or, and this is my prediction, they have some kind of tie and involvement in the new Section 31 series when it comes Ooh, out. Ooh, interesting. That could be. Absolutely. Yeah. But I have to tell you, though, again, it's one of those things, watching it first thing in the morning, I was like, after that scene, I was like, wait, so some stranger walks up to her and says, hey, I travel time and space. Why don't you come join me? Okay. <laughs> and I was like, really? But then again, watching it again, I remember, oh, yeah, she was in the library. She got a message on her computer. I mean, to meet at this location. So how would anybody know to hack into this? She's thinking it's Q and Q, you know, we know who Q is and all this. So for him to show up and he's like, I'm not Q, but you know, I'm kind of like a Q or whatever. like, then I was like, okay. And she's got nowhere else to go. And she's even like, Hey, you know, I can take risks. Why not? Let's just see what happens. Cause where else am I going to go? What else do I have to have to live for? So the second time I watched it, it made more sense to me. Yeah. I was just thrown off by him being there. That was just like all <laughs> logic went out the window for me. I'm just like, what's he doing there? Am I watching the ready room? What's what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I do love that he's in there and I, and I love that they were able to keep the secret and, you know, the reveal of the cast of TNG being in season three and Will Wheaton being excluded from that and people saying like, oh, that's so unfair that you're not included in that. And he's like, yeah, it's OK. You know, blah, blah, blah. I get to do the ready room and stuff. It's fine. And all the while knowing that he filmed this like a year ago or whatever and, and was going to. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm so happy for Will as well like he wrote this huge post about what the character of wesley crusher ultimately means to him after hating the character for years because everyone else seemed to hate the character and him coming back around to it and and realizing that you know what wesley crusher means to some people and uh, the important messages that the character has for him in his life personally and for other people. It's really quite touching. So um, folks, if you haven't read that, go check out the spoiler thread for this episode in the Positively Trek discussion group. I did put a link to Will Wheaton's blog post in there. So well yeah. worth a read. I'll check that out. I, I haven't read that. But but yeah, this whole idea of being a traveler and stuff, it, it worked well you know, like a doctor who type character. I mean, that wasn't so much a surprise to me that he's got this ability because we've seen this even just recently in the Coda trilogy, mm -hmm. spoiler alert, but also <laughs> in some earlier novels. So the novels have played with Wesley traveling time and space. So this was just like, Oh yeah, I've seen Wesley do this before. So that was cool to me too. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, uh, one of the things we have to talk about, of course, is Q and his coda, I guess, in this story. I was touched by all of this. And I really actually, at first, I was like kind of thinking a little bit in the back of my head, that's it? That's all? We're not going to get more of an explanation? But reflecting on it and thinking about... Q's relationship with Picard and how he says, you know, isn't it just enough that I, that I care, like you're something I care about. That's, that's it. And I started thinking about his previous appearances in TNG and how that's really the only answer that makes sense. 
for Q and the interest he's taken in Picard's life in humanity in general, but Picard's life in particular. And it moved me. I really felt for Q and that hug between Picard and Q I thought was perfect. Just a perfect moment. Yeah, I did too. I I was going to say Picard is kind of Q's pet in a sense. Data even says that in one episode. (laughs) Yeah, because I used to wonder, why is Q so fixated on this one human? I mean, sure, we've seen him pop up here or there, other things, you know, but like, it's always Picard. Like, Q is so much more than that to just, well, I want to just focus on this one human. But yeah, he just, that's who he gets fixated on. That's that's his plaything. that Picard's his, his little pet, you know? And yeah, he's become invested in him and has a certain way that he cares for him and he shows it in a certain way that we wouldn't do if we have someone that we we like, but this is how he is. And I buy the whole idea of Q or the Q continuum and continuum dying off because I mean, at some point, even the universe will die off and become something else or whatever. And it's, you know, again, time and space there. Q isn't as linear as we are. So even, you know, after billions of years, the Q continuum is dying off. He might come to this moment mm-hmm. where Picard is nearing the end of his life and he's alone and Q relates to that. And he's like, just one more time, one more lesson and one more thing that I can gain from it too. Yeah. I I just, I love it. It was and and Q getting misty eyed as well. <laughs> I was like, I was feeling all the feelings there. So, because you're also watching it, thinking it's John Delancey and Patrick Stewart's last time working together. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's in there as well for sure. <laughs> and a little side tangent: what was on like Q's like outfit? There's like these little stains like on his left shoulder area. <laughs> like it was driving me crazy. It oh, looked I like a bird that. pooped on him and they try to wipe it off. And there's these little spots. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, this is the problem with HD and 4K. We can see everything. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. Maybe that's yeah. exactly what happened. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wondered if they were Patrick Stewart's uh, tears from previous shots. Aww. Because... It's on the left side, but you see Picard hug him on the right, but maybe earlier they were doing on the left. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't notice that. Interesting. See, I don't notice a date on a file, but I notice stains on an an outfit. (laughs) Uh, Also in this scene, we get, this is where we get Rios staying behind, which we, we talked a little bit about, and we kind of learn about his fate later from Guinan. Of course, Guinan's still back there, so you know they they go to her bar a lot, and we learn kind of some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, and Q snaps his fingers and sends everybody except Rios uh, back to the future. Trademark? I don't know if I need to trademark, <laughs> but uh, they end up on the Stargazer Bridge ten seconds before the auto destruct completes with the Borg queen on the bridge. And of course we know by now who that Borg queen is. We've figured that out a few episodes ago for sure. That's confirmed here. It's Agnes and they want to ally with the Federation to counter this threat that's coming through this like wormhole or transwarp corridor or something like that. 
and they get the fleet together and manage to stop that, which seems to kind of set up what's going to happen next season, I guess. And, uh, mm. oh, by the way, Elnor is okay. And Q is just being a jerk. <laughs> I kind of yeah. like that. I was like, that's Q. He's just whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, in some ways when they went back and Rios isn't there, it's like, oh, okay. So Elnor really is dead. I'm like, wow, that that's a ballsy move from the writers. Good job. I mean, I'd loved for Elmor, Elnor to be there, but all right, ballsy. And then Elnor's like, Rafi, what am I doing here? I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> I, I knew they wouldn't. I would have been mad if they had because of all the, the set. Like, basically the setup all season has been Elnor will be okay when all this is done. So, uh, yeah, I knew they wouldn't do that for sure. Well, going back to what we talked about in the news, that's why it's surprising he's not back next season. Yeah, absolutely. That is a surprise for sure. So now I'm like, well, yeah, why do bring him back then? You're not going to utilize him. Come on. Like, if you bring him back, use him next season. I don't even care if it's just one episode or two. You know, let's have him back for a little while. I'd yeah. love to see him back. I want more Elnor. I want I want a live Elnor, not a hologram Elnor. <laughs> I want live Elnor. Well, this is where, and I was going to sh- save this for the, the final thoughts and stuff, but you know, there's a Starfleet Academy series coming. Maybe Elnor's in that. Yeah, I'd I'd be all for that. I mean, I keep thinking it's going to be with the Discovery spinoff because of Tilly going and teaching Academy. So I'm like, oh, maybe that's leading to it. But I, to be honest with you, if they were going to do one, I would prefer it during this time period oh, than me to too. do it from the Discovery time period. Yeah, absolutely. Me as well. Yeah, we've got, like I said, this setup for next season here, I guess. The the Borg being the guardians at the gate of whatever this is. What do you think of this? That was interesting. There seemed to be kind of a lot of things happening that I'm like, oh, this is happening very fast. And they're just kind of cramming a lot of exposition in about the Borg detecting this thing and needing all of them to and then they protect the thing and everybody's seeing it in the night sky and then cliffhanger ish ending i guess sort of very different yeah again this is one of those things where the episode ended i'm like wait what okay i can't wait to watch this again because (laughs) i'm like not really it, it even the second time i watched it i mean i get it but it didn't really interest me that much it wasn't like hmm. I'm on the seat of my chair going like, oh my gosh, what is this anomaly? What's going to happen or whatever? Oh, another threat to the galaxy, you know, which is starting to get a little old on these things. But And that's not just the shows, even in novels and comics and stuff. But I don't know. I just, I wasn't that invested in it that much. I just, I was more interested in what we got through this episode and wrapping up the things from this whole season of storylines that, oh, the Borg is just here and wanting the Federation Starfleet to help, you know, protect from getting blasted from this anomaly. And then, okay. Like I was just like, all right. Okay. Well, with that in mind, final thoughts then. Uh, gosh, there's just so much going on in this that, um, I, well, one thing, final thought I do want to mention that, okay. So all the little things that afterwards I was like, kind of bother me don't bother me anymore it's watching the second time it's like yeah no okay i make that make sense oh yeah i like this there's only one thing that still really bothers me and that's talon and laris like why does talon look 
identical to Laris, not just because it's by the same actress, but because even Picard acknowledges and keeps accidentally calling her Laris. Mm-hmm. I was expecting to be told something or at least he had the character say, you know, to Laris, I think I met a relative of yours or something to the effect that like, why do they look exactly alike? Well, and they're wearing the same shoes. Oh, I didn't notice the <laughs> shoes, but we do, we do know that she's uh, a, a dis- descendant of Laris. Like they figured that out earlier. They did. How did I miss that? Well, they, because she's a Romulan and Picard says, Oh, you are related. You're, you're, you're her ancestor. You must be her ancestor. Oh, I never took that as really being the, I just, I, yeah, okay. I just expected something more concrete, like, yes, you are an ancestor or something, you yeah. know, or like, I don't know. It didn't bug me so much because we've seen ancestors. Like, I mean, we had Janeway's ancestor in 1159 looked exactly the same and, and, and to Paul's and Soong's. Yeah. And, so, yeah, I didn't, that didn't bother me. I, we have ancestors in Star Trek look alike all the time. Yeah, it doesn't bother me that. It's just, I mean, I'm fine with them being ancestors. I just wanted something more. I was expecting something in the this episode that we go, aha, this is Laris's great-great-grandmother or something or whatever. But okay, yeah, there was that line in a few episodes before that, I guess. Okay. But so I guess, yeah, we're supposed to take that as fact. <laughs> but anyway, outside of that, this episode, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I feel like it's on par with most of the season. I know people complain about the middle of the season slowing down and I get that, but I did enjoy those, but I felt like it did a good job of wrapping things up. I didn't feel like there was any loose threads that I'm still going, but what about, and what about, you know, we never got the answer to this. Well, the Laris thing is the only thing I was questioning, but you just helped me with that one. But, you know, and I felt the pacing was good too. I didn't feel like it was, there's times I felt like things are a little convenient or rushed, but not not too bad. So no, overall, yeah, I would I would give this three out of four drones that they were able to destroy before it could get to Renee. Nice. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this episode. I think it wraps off the season quite nicely. You know, there were some low points in this season where I was questioning some of the writing, some of the logic in what was happening, and. There's a little bit of that in this episode that kind of wraps it up, but at the same time, the over the overall threads and the way they wrap those up with Q and kind of out of left field, but really welcome with Wesley and Corey and, and all of that stuff. I really enjoyed that. I thought they did a great job of kind of bringing everything together. Kind of a weird rapid fire setup for next season at the end of the episode. But, you know, tonally, it feels like the episode really shifts and, and shifts gears. And I'm like, okay, it's not done yet. Well, there's still more coming. That's weird. But I enjoyed it and I'm excited for next season. I'm on board with what they're doing here. So yeah, I'd say this was a four out of five drinks at the, at Guinan's bar that Elnor grimace is at, uh, <laughs> at the end of the episode, because that was a fun moment. I, I like, I liked seeing that. <laughs> yeah. And big shout out to getting Whoopi Goldberg just one more time as Guinan. Here, here. That was wonderful. And I love that reveal that there was that photo of Rios in the background the whole time, you know? So yeah. if that really was there, if like 
we go back and watch that first episode and that photograph is there. I think that's the definitive proof that everything they did was just meant to happen. They didn't change the timeline. They they changed it back to what it was supposed to be the whole time. So, okay, I want to address this real quick because I thought about this too. So when we got Guinan, the younger Guinan in the 21st century, there's a lot of chatter online of like, well, wait, you know, she met him in Time's Arrow. She should know who he is. Oh, but that didn't happen because the timeline hadn't existed. But she did in the future know about this event. Mm-hmm. So she should have knowledge of Picard in Time's Arrow when we see her in the 21st century. But, and I've always, I didn't ever say anything about this on the show. But when you watch that one episode where she's loading up her truck ready to leave and he finally says, my name's Jean-Luc Picard. Mm-hmm. And she's like, like all of a sudden to me, it was like, oh, I remember who you, because you know, you got to think more than a century has gone by. Somebody that you haven't seen in over a hundred years just shows up and you're not going to recognize them right away. But as soon as he says his name, she's like, oh yeah. And that's when I thought one of the episodes, she goes, she knows who he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she remembers him from Time Zero. She just needed the name to kind of click it in her head. Yeah. And I mean, the explanation from the episode when that happened was that she knows the supervisor who's looking after Rene Picard, and that's why she recognizes the name Picard. But at the same time, we do also know that they have echoes of different timelines and stuff. So there's something sympathetic vibrating in her brain there for sure. But when this happened in this episode, I thought, well, that could also mean that she does remember him from Time's Era as soon as he says his name. Yeah, at least from a different timeline, according to the writers anyway. So that works. (laughs) Oh, I don't listen to the writers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, that's our our wrap up for Farewell for Star Trek Picard. But we're going to take another brief break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Strange New Worlds. Episode one, Strange New Worlds. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, John Blaber, and Jesse Earle. Thank you all so much for your support of Positively Trek. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shout-outs, associate producer credits, and more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Thank you to each and every one of you, and now, let's fly. What's the mission? Our mission? We explore. We seek out new life and new civilizations. We boldly go where no one has gone before. Cool. So, new series time. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, very long-anticipated series. The spinoff of Star Trek Discovery with Captain Pike of the USS Enterprise and number one in Mr. Spock, Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, Ethan Peck. This is the one that people have been waiting for for a long time. Were you so excited to finally get to watch the first episode of Strange New Worlds? Absolutely. Of course I was. Why wouldn't I be? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, me too. I I feel like maybe I wasn't 
anticipating this as much as some people in the fandom were. And we'll talk a little bit about the reception it's gotten and, and the kind of relation to the rest of the new Star Trek shows that people have been saying. But uh, in the meantime, let's, let's, let's talk about the episode because we start out with, from the perspective of an alien race, a first contact with a Federation starship kind of reminding me of the TNG episode first contact, right? We see things from the perspective of the non-humans in this first contact. So when that, that blurry image cleared up, were you surprised that it wasn't the enterprise, but some other Starfleet ship? Yeah. I was like, why does the enterprise look weird to me? (laughs) (laughs) We're like the pack leads. That's a different enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So yeah, uh, from there we go to Montana and we've got Pike uh, riding his horse across a snowy plain. And I kind of had to laugh at this because we know that Pike grew up in the Mojave Desert in that kind of area of the U.S., but instead they have him here in Montana riding across a snowy plain. And I'm like, that's because they film in Canada. (laughs) Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Good call. Yeah. I had to laugh at that. (laughs) But I like that it wasn't so on the nose, like on a horse in the desert, you know, because of the cage, you know, like, I mean, he's, he can go other places, people. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. And uh, yeah, we've got, I guess before we see him riding on the horse, though, we have him cooking breakfast for another captain who has spent the night and they seem to have this ongoing relationship. And uh, his communicator keeps ringing. Obviously, Starfleet's trying to get a hold of him, but uh, he's ignoring it. And he's kind of in a bad place because of the revelations of his future that we got in Discovery. Yeah. And I love how his communicator is next to an old phone. Yeah. And she's like, your phone's ringing. (laughs) (laughs) But did you think that she was at first number one, the way they shot that? You only see the back of her head in the bed, and then you see her silhouette in the back of her walking to the room in a gold uniform. Her hair's very similar. I was like, oh, he's sleeping with number one? Really? And then they show her from the front. I'm like, oh, okay, it's not. I think they did that to make you think it was oh that's interesting i didn't i didn't think that at all but yeah yeah i I can see how one one could have yeah i don't know the hair looked too different to me maybe i don't know something made me not think it was number one but that's interesting yeah i'll go back (laughs) i'll watch it with that in mind and see are they trying to pull one over on us interesting (laughs) yeah that's what i thought but yeah i like the communicator beeping like that while they're having breakfast and i i Sorry if anybody at work is listening right now. I could relate because sometimes when you people call me, sometimes I just go, mm, not right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, which is honestly, you're right. You know, that's that's your time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy this scene with Pike and this other captain as well. I, I kind of love their back and forth a little bit. And I especially love the line where, you know, she's trying to encourage him to to you know, go out with the Enterprise when it leaves in a week, they think at this time. And she says she's going off on this couple month mission or whatever. And Pike says, when you come back, you know, I might still be here and I'd I'd love to get together. And she says, oh yeah, you know, I'll do that. But I hope you're not. You have better places to be. 
I really yeah. like that. She seems pretty cool. Yeah. No, I like that too because it also sets up how, you know, she believes and probably other believe others believe that you need to be out there and not just hiding away here and just rotting yourself away, you know? And he's just like, I'm I'm not anxious to go anywhere. I just want to stay here. And yeah. it's like, no, you need to get out there. It kind of reminds me of McCoy saying to Kirk, you know, you need to get out there. You don't need to be rotten away here in your apartment or ever in San Francisco. You belong on the Enterprise. It kind of has that feel to me. It's also interesting to me that this feels like a bit of a return to the pike that we see in the cage a little bit as well, where he's talking to Dr. Boyce and says, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I, you know, I want to explore a different life. And he's having those same feelings now for very different reasons, but uh, definitely kind of more of a return to that Jeffrey Hunter Pike than the yearning for adventure excited Pike we saw in Discovery before he sees this glimpse of his future. Yeah, I got that vibe too. Because again, I think it's a good way also to distinguish the difference between Pike and Kirk, where Kirk is always wanting the center seat. He's always got to be on the Enterprise. Pike likes to be there, wants to be there, but you know what? It's okay if I'm not there too. (laughs) You know, it's a difference between these two characters. Yeah. Well, we find Pike out in the snow with his horse and Starfleet finally gets his attention by landing a shuttlecraft right in front of the horse. And we get Admiral Robert April come out, uh, played by Adrian Holmes, uh, who people might know recently as Uncle Phil from the the remake of of The Fresh Prince, uh, Bel Air, as uh, as April. Great to see that character in the flesh on screen. That's pretty cool. This episode kind of plays with your expectations a little bit because you're like, oh, April's going to convince Pike that he has to go out there. And he says, you know, there's this first contact mission gone wrong. The officer in charge is someone, you know, and he plays a transmission from Una. And you think like Pike's going to be like, yeah, I have to go out there. But what's interesting is Pike is like, no, find someone else. And April's like, okay, you know what? That's an order. Get your butt out there. I thought that was interesting that like Pike isn't even convinced by this. It has to be an order for him to get out there and get on the enterprise again. Yeah. The difference again, if Kirk was there and he sees, Oh, Spock is missing. He's going to jump to the enterprise. Right. Yeah. Pike's like somebody else can do this. Some, you know, whatever. Um, I also thought it was interesting. I, I wish I didn't know that that was Robert April going into this mm. because in that scene, Pike calls him Bob. And there's no mention of April in that scene. And I don't know if I would have connected it to April at that point. And then it's later mentioned that he says, oh, I've got a visit from April. And then it would have been like, oh, that Bob, you know, that would have been cool. But having already known that that was Robert April, I was like, hmm, I wonder if I would have been really shocked to find out later that that was him. But yeah, yeah, I, I like that scene. So yeah, from there we get the opening credits and... For the first time since 1994 on a Star Trek television episode, we get an opening narration, Space, the Final Frontier. Uh, what do you think of uh, Anson Mount's rendition here? Does Is he up there with the big boys? Um, Yeah, it seems a little more casual, a little more calm. 
but the music also is, so it kind of works. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's kind of Pike too. He's a little more casual, a little more calm. You know, Kirk in the original series was very by the book, very officer and a gentleman. And Picard, of course, has that stern quality. Pike seems to have that little bit of a more casual effect. So I, I think I like that. Yeah, I do too. And yeah, it's not so much like space, the final frontier. Yeah, it's a space, the final frontier, <laughs> you know, just whatever. But then as it plays out and the music builds up and it, it play and the ship flying around, there's so many of those I thought, oh, that should be on the ship of lines calendar. Yes. Oh, gorgeous visuals here. Beautiful shots of the Enterprise exploring strange new worlds basically and and yeah i i love these opening credits i think they're beautiful yeah and i like the i like the theme i want to get that you know so i can play it in my car soon (laughs) yeah yeah it's i've been noticing a lot of the new star trek series the themes they start out and I see these comments online every time a new one comes out. They're like, oh, there's no real strong theme in this. It's it's kind of, it's too, there's, there's nothing really to grab you. And like, I kind of see that at the beginning. I felt that way about Discovery's theme. I felt that way about Picard's theme. And I see that a little bit in this theme. But it's one of those things after you hear it four or five times, you start to pick out like this through line in it. And like, there's so many times I find myself humming Discovery's theme or Picard's theme. And I'm sure there's the one little bit in the middle of this, of the Strange New Worlds theme. And I can't bring it to my head right now because Picard's theme's running through my head right now because that's the way my my brain works. But I'm going to be humming that. I know I am. Like there's, there's little bits of this that I'm like, oh, I really like that. So yeah, I think these grow on you a bit. No, yeah, they do. They absolutely do. I I can totally relate to that because I remember feeling the same way about the Discovery theme. It was, it didn't seem to have as much of that like melody that you recognize if somebody was humming it right away. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, because you know, like the original series, bum ba bum bum ba 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 da da da. Like everybody, you know, can do these things. These don't kind of play well, you know. But that's also the style of a lot of these series. If you go to HBO or Netflix or whatever, a lot of them kind of have their themes in this kind of style. It's, it's, a, it's a different type of music that is being produced for, for themes and TV shows in this era. But, but no, you're right. After you listen a few times, it becomes for, more familiar and you, you notice a little more into the different instruments and little themes playing throughout. And it starts to really start to grow on you. The thing I noticed about this is after his strange new worlds, da da da, all of a sudden the bum, 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 like it feels like it's building and then yeah. it just comes down. And I'm like, well, like I expected something really to just blast out after that. And it just kind of comes out. And I'm always like, eh, like it sounds like you're building up to something. And then it just, but then it starts to build later as the song goes. It continues to build. So, yeah, I think it's really going to start growing on people. Yeah, that's funny you bring that up because, yeah, I really liked that kind of musical bit in the middle where there's not a lot of percussion. But Nikki, when she was watching it, she really loves those percussive bits. She's like, oh, those drums really 
just she loves that so yes there's there's things in this that we can pick out that that we love so i'm i'm looking forward to the point where i'm walking down the street and realize i'm humming the strange new worlds theme because i know that'll happen (laughs) i just want to know what people think when you're walking down the street humming that they're like what's he humming (laughs) or do they recognize it Ooh, Ooh, that would be cool Well, from the opening theme, we go to Vulcan and we see Spock in a scene that uh, at least one mutual friend of ours we know is going to be thrilled about or was thrilled about when she saw it ages ago, probably. (laughs) I had that thought, too, when I saw the scene. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we've got Spock and T'Pring in a, in a Vulcan restaurant here. It's the scene after that, actually, that I was thinking about, to be fair, but... Yeah. What do you think of this, this kind of establishing Spock and T'Pring doing this kind of courtship and her formalizing their betrothal, I guess, by asking him to marry her? Does that fit with a muck time? Is there any? Because I was thinking, like, does this fit with everything we've seen before? And I really want to go back and watch that episode to see, like, is there anything that contradicts what we see here? And I've got to think there probably isn't. Because the writers have been really good about making sure that, you know, even if things seem to not quite fit on a surface level, they've kind of covered their butts a bit, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm so glad you asked this question. It's so funny because, like I said, I watched this episode twice. But last night before I went to bed, I started playing this episode again. And when I got past these scenes... I was like, I got to watch a mock time. I and I knew s- it. I went to it, but it was getting late and my wife was coming to bed that I really only got through like the first 10 minutes of mm. a mock time. So I didn't really get to finish watching it because the one thing in my mind was also, and I, and you know, I'm sure you remember this, but I thought in a mock time, I thought he said that Spock said he hadn't seen Depring since they were children, but I'm not sure if that's in there or not. I'm not a hundred percent either. And I'm questioning in my mind, does he say that? Or is it just that he says something like we were betrothed when we were six or something. Right. And there's not a mention of whether they've seen each other since, because it it feels like, and I, I read Keith DeCandido's review of this episode and he's a huge continuity nut and stuff and that didn't he didn't flag that as a problem so yeah i haven't seen anything online where somebody flagged that so then i just thought okay i that's why i wanted to watch it because i was like i thought maybe he said that but he probably doesn't because i would have heard somebody call many people call that out (laughs) yeah so yeah so i guess we're gonna watch a mock time sometime soon i think so i think we should for sure but i did love these scenes i love to praying in this i just i like i love how they're kind of you know there's they're restraining showing too much emotion but it's there you can feel it you know and the sexual tension the flirtiness she's a bit sassy you know when pike calls and He's like, Spock, are you naked? And would she say something like, not yet, or supposed to be? (laughs) Like, I was just like, I was loving those scenes. I'm I'm glad. And I think we, some from certain clips I've seen, I'm thinking this plays out more maybe in a later episode between these two. But I, I thought it was great that we get to see a little more of this relationship. Yeah, for sure. And And yeah, given episode titles that we see later on, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm, I think uh, I think more to come on this. But yeah, the this whole thing with with Spock and Pring, interesting that we see the seeds being planted here for how she's frustrated with him being off and it's famous Starfleet officer off exploring the galaxy. I'm kind of wondering if like we really villainize to Pring in a mock time and what she does and what she does is pretty bad in that episode, but we see that maybe there's more reason for it here. And we see that maybe she is very hurt by what Spock does too, because you know, when Pike calls him off to duty, he's like, T'Pring will understand. And T'Pring is like behind him, like, uh, will she, I don't know, <laughs> you know? So yeah, there's, there's some spurning of her here that, she probably doesn't appreciate as well. So, hmm. yeah. And I don't know if the scene is really necessary, you know, that needs to be told, but it's just, it's nice that it's told. If it adds a little more dimension to that relationship, it's just, it's something we haven't seen between these two. So yeah. it's, it's cool to see that. Can I also say just something totally tangential to the scene, but that I loved was like that little slot that Spock pops his communicator in and then Pike pops up on the view screen. I'm like, brilliant. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. I, all three times I've seen that scene, I always like, oh, that's so cool. Well, I don't know why I think that's so cool, but it just is. It's I like, it. you know, yeah, I could take my iPhone and pop it onto something like that too, right? Yeah, yeah. It gives Again, it gives the communicator a little more, which they do with this. It's not just something you flip open and talk to. You can communicate it with it in a distance like, you know, I do with my iPhone when I call out Siri on it or and I pop it into something, the Bluetooth. Like, we're making it a little more like today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Somebody recently said that, you know, you take out the transporter and the warp drive and the enterprise from the original series is less advanced than what we have today. And I like to see them kind of taking those things, those visual elements from the original series and expanding on them and saying, well, this is the stuff you didn't see. This is yes. what it's actually capable of. You know, that's pretty right. Cool. Right. Cause we didn't see everything and the use of how you'd use something all the time, you know, on TOS, there's there's more use to these things than we may have seen. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, beaming medicine or something, which we'll talk about later. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we've got the shuttlecraft Stamets taking Pike to the Enterprise. And I loved just the subtlety of when they say this is shuttlecraft Stamets and Pike's eyes just kind of flick up and take note of it. And look down and I'm like, there's so much going on behind the eyes there. And he's like remembering all the stuff that happened. And I love just subtle little things like that. That was great. Yeah. He's like, wait. Yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> Back to work. <laughs> yeah. Why did he beam on the Enterprise from the shuttlecraft? That seemed odd to me. Yeah, he was like, seemed disinterested in really looking at the ship, you know, because we've seen, of course, like in the motion picture, Kirk just wants to fly around it and look and, you know, and not just beam onto it. Pike just doesn't seem that interested, I guess, maybe because, you know, like what we saw on the planet, he doesn't seem to really care if he comes back right now or not. So maybe he's just like, yep, that's the ship. And you know what? Let me just beam on instead of just doing this fly around. Maybe that's yeah. how I perceived it. That makes sense. Maybe to, again, further set him apart from Kirk a bit and, and say where he's at mentally at this point and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because they dress alike, so we got to distinguish them <laughs> in another way. For sure. Well, he's also reading the uh, record of La'an Nunian Singh uh, on the yes. shuttlecraft. And this is somewhere where I think some people have some issues and I have some questions as well. Mm. And we find some backstory from her later with regards to the Gorn. And as far as we know, first contact with the Gorn was in arena but we do see like on this pad, it says first contact Gorn and then in brackets disputed. There's some stuff there. I don't know. Maybe they'll, they'll deal with that and explain that. I'm not sure how that all works. My biggest problem is something that I've seen people online talk about, which is uh, the, the horror stories that Lon talks about the Gorn and how they, they treated the humans and stuff which kind of flies in the face a little bit of what the message of the episode arena was, which ended up being that the Gorn are just like us and they were just protecting their children and they're not the horrible monsters that they appear to be, which could still play out somehow with Lon's story maybe, but it seems like they're pretty horrific in uh, the stories she's telling about what happened to her. Yeah. I'm going to give it a pass to that because I feel like that's going to be explored and explained until we get to that point. Then I'll judge that. So yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm giving them a pass on that one, but you know, we have seen some things from like the star Trek video game, you know, which is kind of a sequel to star Trek. Oh nine, you know, the Gorn are kind of violent and like, you know, so we've had some depiction of them like that. But um, yeah, I, I kind of want to wait and see because it just makes me wonder those horror stories. Was that caused by her or somebody or, you know, it wasn't just like they were just ruthless beasts. You know, yeah. something caused them to do what they did. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to more on that for sure. I hope. I and and I feel like there's more to that for sure. So and especially with just when they say Gorn and it's like, wait, what is she, wait, what does she have to do with the Gorn? Like that just like first of all, I'm just interested, you know, what's her connection to Khan? And now we've got a connection to the Gorn? Like, yeah. okay. I'm really invested to know more about this one. Yeah, absolutely. And and we know there's a lot more there because they keep doing this thing in this episode, which is basically, it's like, well, I know about, you know what? Cause I read your, your file. And she's like, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and you're like, okay, come on. What is it? <laughs> right. What I really enjoyed was I, I don't think my wife, you know, she's not as big into Star Trek as we are. So she's not reading things online. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I've told her some about, you know, these characters that were coming up on the show. I don't know what I told her about this character. If I told her anything, but while we're watching it, she goes, wait a second. Wait, is that Khan's last name? Or am I getting that? I'm like, no, that is Khan's last name. She's like, Oh, Oh, well, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> That's it's moments like that, that I kind of wish that I could come to Star Trek shows like that. Like I remember in 1993 watching deep space nine for the first time and like, Oh, what's this character? What are they all about? Ooh, that's interesting. Blah, blah, you know? And we don't have that luxury anymore because of what we do and what fandom is like now and stuff. So, uh, you know, it would be nice if like that was my first kind of like you were saying with April, if like that was my reaction that like, wait, Nuni and Singh, <gasps> what does that mean? <laughs> you know? Right. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. 
And I wonder in some ways if they're going to tie this into the season finale of Picard with Sung there with the Project Khan, and that's going to connect to that somehow. Well, I'm going to, and and this, this is with regards to Prodigy, I think, but there was a recent tweet by Prodigy writer Aaron Waltke that was basically along the lines of, there are so many things I wish I could tell all the fans about. Oh my God, so excited. And he references those meetings where the the showrunners get together and compare what they're doing in the various shows and make sure it all like fits. And he's like, there's so much coming up. You have no idea. And, <laughs> and that's where my mind went was like, okay, prodigy. Yes. There's, there's all of that. And, and that's what he's excited about. I'm sure. But also yeah, the Project Con folder at the end of Picard. I immediately was thinking La'an Nuni and Singh. And then, of course, the eugenics wars come up in this episode very much later in the show as well. So it feels like that's on the minds of a lot of the people writing these things. So we could be in for some really interesting stuff. And then my mind went really crazy. Like there was that mini series about Khan that was rumored and, and that Nicholas Meyer was talking about being involved in. And then that's yes. been on the back burner. So like even that popped into my head is like, Ooh, is that maybe something they're going to set up? Who knows? Right. Like it could go anywhere. Yeah. Well, I just want to do a really quick mention about prodigy since you brought it up i've heard some things lately whether when i was at mission chicago or just you know podcasts or other articles yeah i keep hearing talk when somebody talks overall about the new star trek you know there's discovery lower decks picard now this new series i'm not always hearing prodigy mentioned Mm -hmm. in that umbrella of new star trek please check out prodigy Trust me, you'll like it. It's not just this kid show, you know, just because it says Nickelodeon on it. It's not talking down to kids. It's for all ages. It's Star Trek. Check it out. Yeah. I randomly showed an episode to a friend of mine who hadn't watched it yet. Uh, And it was one from kind of the middle. It was Kobayashi, which used the voices of of all the various people. I actually kind of forgot how much of the series lore is in that episode. So I was like, ah, that'll make sense later. Uh, You'll get that. (laughs) So that didn't quite work. But he said it was way better than he expected. And he was kind of like not really interested. But now he's wants to check out the series. So, yeah. Yeah. I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows that, of course, we've reviewed episodes, but Yeah, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Absolutely. Well, back to Strange New Worlds, we've got uh, the Enterprise setting out after the USS Archer, which they've lost contact with in this first contact mission. And they arrive at the planet to find the ship abandoned. Apparently only three people on the ship, which seemed odd to me, but okay. Uh, They've been seemingly captured by the people of this planet who don't apparently actually have warp drive technology, but there was a warp signature detected. So they have to beam down to investigate that. And one of the things in this episode that at first kind of made me raise my eyebrow, but then went made me go, oh, that's actually really cool, is when they're beaming down, the clothing and the weapons and tricorders and stuff are in the transporter buffer waiting for them. And they beam down and they have all that stuff. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And that's really cool. It's weird that we've never seen that before. Like, 
you know, we've got McCoy struggling to put on boots in time to beam down in a different episode and stuff. But that's okay. You know, no big no big deal there. I thought that was a neat addition to the technology here. Yeah, I did too. And of course I thought, oh, wow, now when I watch other Star Trek stuff, I'm going to be like, well, wait, they could just beam their clothes on when they beam down. Why, why is McCoy struggling with his boots? Why are they doing all this and that? But, you know, uh, well, I'll deal with that the time when I watch it. But again, I, I give them free license in my head to do little things like this that go, okay, they didn't do it on this, these other series, but we're going to introduce and fudge things just a little for this new one. And cause you got to kind of move forward and do something different. And like you were saying, you know, some things seem out of date, you know, because now we have a lot of that technology. So it can't just be a couple of things that are futuristic. We got to make other things. So a transporter that puts clothes on you, I could use that every morning when I get up for work. I'm going to just roll out of bed, brush my teeth, be myself to work, and I'm already dressed for work. Yeah. There's so many, like, okay, why even have showers? Just have the transporter, like, remove dirt and and stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah put your clothes on you, take all the plaque and crap off your teeth and deposit a cup of coffee in your stomach <laughs> on your way to work. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love and it. they don't even have that in the 32nd century. We've seen discovery. That's, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's too dangerous to use it that often. It <laughs> could be. Yeah. Uh, the other bit of technology that we haven't exactly seen quite like this before is when in other episodes, they talk about making surgical alterations for undercover missions and stuff. We really see that here with Chapel, uh, played by Jess Bush, doing this like genetic modification here. And I guess we, we need to learn that Lon Noonien Singh is, is really hardcore because she's not going to have some sort of sedative. I feel like there's a deeper reason behind that. I don't think it's just that she's like, oh, I'm so hardcore and tough. I think like there's some trauma there maybe or something like that. But yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, so that's interesting technology, A. And B, I love the use of Chapel here because they talk about her signing on to the Enterprise later as a molecular biologist. And that's totally what she's doing here. So Good on them for paying attention to that. And also the fact that she's a civilian specialist and not yet in Starfleet is interesting. Yeah, I, I like those little twists. You know, again, we just assume, oh, she's in Starfleet and she's on the Enterprise maybe earlier than we thought. Oh, civilian. Oh, OK. You know, I'm liking these characters and the interplay between them. And yeah, I think we're going to get a lot more depth and nuance to these characters than I think we would have believed. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the exploration of those characters. Dr. Mabenga, for one, and his kind of back and forth with Chapel, their kind of jokey yes. relationship. I'm really enjoying that. I think that's great. Yeah, I love the two of them together. That's a sick bay I would like to visit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if I had to go to the doctor, I'll go there. And then, of course, you know, he's got that relationship with Pike, too. So we know that they have history, too. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, well, let's let's take a moment and talk about some of the characters then as well, because, yeah, we talked about Mabenga and Chapel. We also have Cadet Uhura doing her fourth year study abroad, basically aboard the Enterprise. I really liked the moments we got with her in this episode. 
especially at one point they have somebody who's beamed up from the the planet's surface comes out of sedation and is running loose on the enterprise and he gets in the turbo lift to go to the bridge and Uhura's in the in there with him and she just like calmly talks to him about the things that she's learned about his planet and really calms him down i love that scene so much and, you know, there's a lot of differences, of course, between Nichelle Nichols, who played her before, and C- and Celia Rose Gooding, who plays Uhura in, in this series. But that, like, Uhura, the Uhura-ness really came out in that scene. I was like, oh, she's got that kind of soft voice, that soothing demeanor. She was really channeling, like, Nichelle Nichols' Uhura there, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I felt, too, because I don't look at her and go, wow, she looks so much like her or anything. But you, yeah, when she speaks and and moves, it's like, you, yeah, I get that vibe from her. You know, it's there. I, I was a bit surprised by this episode because I thought we were going to get a lot of her in mm. the first episode. I just assumed that. And I know more than likely we're going to get a lot of her later in other episodes. Everybody's going to have a moment to shine in different episodes, I'm sure. So yeah, I was a bit surprised we didn't get as much of her, but just enough that I was like, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of her. Yeah. Well, speaking of not quite enough yet, uh, Lieutenant Ortegas, the the helmsman, uh, we, we don't see much of her. But I'm fascinated to learn more about her. She's just kind of got this cool vibe about her. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to learn more. And yeah, not a lot from her in this episode, though. Yeah, but just, yeah, that presence on the bridge, you just feel like this little bit of energy from her, you know, like, oh, she's going to be fun to be mm-hmm. driving this ship. Like, you know, let's do it. Let's go. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm really interested in seeing more. Yeah, absolutely. And the other officer on the bridge, Jenna Mitchell, uh, who doesn't seem to be somebody who's like in the main cast, but she is the navigator on the Enterprise mm-hmm. here, um, played by Rong Fu. She seemed kind of cool. I hope she's somebody we see more of as well. I was just thinking about mentioning her too. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I remember at one point I watched it seeing the two of them sitting there and like, oh, this is our new Sulu and Chekhov for this series. You know, they're the ones who before them, you know? And I thought this, this might be really cool to see, you know, different people sitting there on the Enterprise. They're different characters, so the dynamic's going to be different. And of course, there's a little more joking around on the bridge too, which was nice. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, our, our other member of the main cast, who we didn't actually really see at all in this episode, Bruce Horak is Hammer the engineer looking forward to seeing him because yeah, we didn't really get him at all in this episode. Yeah. We just, he just beams on. We get like what, two, three seconds of him. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just enough for him to be in the credits basically. (laughs) Yeah. And then we also get, um, Kirk in this episode too. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that because we get those little hints throughout the episode that like, Oh, they, they mentioned this, this Kirk person. And of course you're thinking Jim Kirk, right? Because that's where your mind immediately goes. I feel like I had this briefly spoiled for me at some point before I saw the episode as well, but yeah, it turns out to be his brother, Sam Kirk, right? With that, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that unfortunate mustache that he wears. (laughs) 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that's the style, right? Well, because we saw Sam Kirk, of course, in TOS with the mustache. It was William Shatner with the mustache. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now I wish the actor, Paul, whoever that they had. Paul Wesley was just wearing a mustache. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. That would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, but it also made me think about the motion picture because you see a lot of the crewman in the background with mustaches i was like boy he, f- he fits in well with that too but yeah when early in the episode when pike and spock are walking down the corridor they mention about lieutenant kirk and i was like oh yeah we're getting kirk well wait that's not till next season why are they mentioning him now like i was like he's not supposed to show up now right and i'm like am i losing my mind no it's second season and then it's like oh at the end and then at the end they mention him again coming i'm like no, he's not. Supposed- oh, <laughs> the other Kirk. Got it. Yes. Duh. No, that was funny. That was a fun little switcheroo of expectations there. So, yeah, but that's cool. And he'll be back too. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So we're going to get Kirk on the enterprise this season. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Let's talk about this actual mission. So they beam down. They're trying to find number one and the two other crew members from the USS Archer. Uh, they manage to locate them inside this facility and they have to change clothing. Meanwhile, Spock's kind of genetic alterations are wearing off. So they have to beam a, a little update down but they're running out of time because he's getting close to the scanner and they actually beam it right into his bloodstream, I guess. What did you think of that? That was interesting. I've read some comments online. People complained about this. I, it, I didn't mind it at all. I mean, even the transporter chief, Kyle, if it's the same Kyle, I guess, but uh, you know, he's like, I can't transporters don't do that. <laughs> but, so we're like the audience, you know, that's what we're thinking. Transport it. Well, you could try maybe make that happen. So it didn't really bother me. I kind of like the idea. It's interesting. I accept this a little easier than the clothes thing, but hmm. I, I guess the thing I do struggle with a little bit with that is why, if they already knew ahead of time that Spock's serum in him or whatever, isn't going to last as long. Why wouldn't they've sent him down with some, you know? So it's like, Hey, if it starts to wear off, Shoot him with a little more of this. Well, I did love uh, Ethan Peck's performance as Spock. He's really inhabiting that role here. And I love when it's starting to revert. He um, talks about how uh, the pain is unbearable. And like, or, uh, I'm in rather excruciating pain, but he's not giving any kind of outward sign. And then later on, he just stops and he's like, Captain, the pain is unbearable. And then he just screams and I'm like, oh, that, I don't know. I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Like the way he delivers that line and then he can't control himself anymore, but he's just been like maintaining control right to that very edge. I I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah, I did too. Because yeah, he just so casually mentions about the pain, you know, cause he's in control and then just to the point that he can't, it just releases so dramatically you know just screaming ah you know i he does such a great job as spock i mean i i love him at spock i i love him as spock i don't watch him and go like oh, 
he'll grow on me. Or I mean, he's worked. You know, when he had the beard in Discovery, I kept wondering what he would look like without the beard. It was a little jarring at first for me, <laughs> and, but uh, he it really works for me. I remember meeting him at Dragon Con back when Discovery was on that second season. And I said to him, you know, that I really liked him as playing Spock. And I said, it seems like a lot of people online like your portrayal too. And he's like, oh, I don't, I, I, I'm trying to avoid anything online. I don't, I don't want to read it. I'm like, well, don't, don't read online. I don't want anything to get in your head, but I just want to assure you people like what you're doing. Keep doing it. He goes, oh, well, that's good to know. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I met him at uh, Edmonton Expo. He was there with Anson Mount a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's so great to talk to. He's amazing. And I uh, got, got my signed photo and all that stuff. So <laughs> good. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I think all these actors are great. Mm-hmm. I, I'm loving them. Uh, I don't have a single complaint. All I, ha- all I can do is gush about yeah. them. They're all doing a great job. I can't wait to get to a convention and, and meet some of these new actors too, who uh, are playing these new roles. So yeah, very, very cool. Well, yeah. So uh, they, they realize that what has content, what has given them this technology, this warp bomb technology, because they're not developing a warp drive. They're developing a warp bomb was their observation of the Battle of Zahea, which was in Discovery Season 2, where Discovery goes to the future, which I thought that was an incredible concept. I love that. We're out there with the Federation. We're doing all this stuff. We're flying through space, and there's all these less developed civilizations and stuff. Yeah, they have telescopes. They can see what's going on, and they backwards engineer this technology and now have this very dangerous, potentially world-ending technology that the Federation is at least partially responsible for. So Pike decides <laughs> his exact wording is screw General Order 1, which is something I've kind of wanted to hear from a Starfleet captain's mouth for a long time. <laughs> because... <laughs> That's basically what Kirk says in a number of episodes without actually saying that. And Picard a little bit too. But yeah, Pike puts to words exactly what a lot of Starfleet captains have been thinking over the years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, yeah, we've seen that before where captains are like, yeah, screw it, but never say it quite that way. So that was kind of fun <laughs> to see that. So yeah, he he and Spock... He takes Spock and says, basically, take me to your leader and tries to explain to the populace, you know, why this is such a bad idea, why they shouldn't do this. At first kind of met with limited success and not really working until, you know, he takes the words of the leader to heart where she says, you know, the bigger stick wins. And Pike says, "Okay, well, I've got the biggest stick of them all. And brings the Enterprise down and says, this is what you're dealing with. So get your act together. Figure this out. <laughs> yeah, and that Enterprise showed up really quick. <laughs> I love that. And that one shot of it from above with the saucer section. And then you see the flock of birds fly above the Enterprise. I was like, whoa, that's yeah. cool. What are those birds thinking? <laughs> I love seeing the Enterprise in the atmosphere. It just, I don't know. It just always gives me chills. Even like in Star Trek Into Darkness, 
you know, when they were on the planet there. And, and then, of course, Assignment Earth. No, not Assignment. With, Return, um, uh, tomorrow's Yesterday. Tomorrow's Yesterday. Yeah, that, you know, those kind of things. I always like that. Uh, well, it also gives the chills to the people of this planet, which is which is the intent here, which is good and spurs them into these um, negotiations. And Pike even sees when when they're kind of starting to fall apart, he beams himself down into the middle of them and shows them what happened on Earth. And this is where we get that talk about the second civil war, the American civil war. Um, and then which, you know, becomes the eugenics wars, which, which becomes world war three and shows them what their future might be if, if they pursue this. And I love that the, the parallels as well, because earlier in the episode, we see Pike watching, um, the day the earth stood still and them coming to earth and saying, you know, we represent this group of planets that look after each other and, you know, you have a choice. Don't be a threat or we'll come and squish you, basically. They don't quite take that tack here. Pike says, you know, come join the, the Federation and, uh, you know, don't destroy yourselves and, and this sort of stuff. I love those kind of parallels there that, like, I don't know, he was like watching the day the Earth stood still and he's like, hey, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll go do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I liked it. It was very much a traditional Star Trek type of story, yes. right? It's like there's a planet in a civil war. I don't know how many times we would pick up a novel and it says, you know, there's this planet where these two factions are fighting each other. <laughs> like it happens so many times. But, you know, yes, we've got this civil war. And, of course, we're going to go as the Starfleet crew and show them that they should get along and have peace and da 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 and show them the error of their ways and that was just your traditional star trek message of this episode which which is great to play out in a first episode like this for this type of show that's harkening back to TOS and you know doing these episodic not serialized type episodes and kind of give viewers non star Trek viewers, the sense of, Oh, this feels kind of like the old star Trek, but new. So I think mm -hmm. it was the right play to do this kind of story. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and yeah, like you say, it harkens back to so many things we've seen in star Trek. My brain was going to a taste of Armageddon, right? Where mm -hmm. Kirk stops that interplanetary war by destroying their computers and, like, it's definitely something we've seen before, but with a new spin on it and kind of done in a more expansive way that, like, in the original series, you'd see them beam down and deal with two or three people in, like, this one building in this one village or city or whatever. And here we get to see kind of across the planet them dealing with this new reality and stuff. So it's pretty cool. I like the the modern take on it. Uh, and of course, at the end, we get April saying, you know, we managed to get you to not be charged with disobeying General Order One because of all the classified stuff from Discovery. But like, you, know, you kind of rode the fine line there and they're doubling down on General Order One. They're going to call it the prime directive now, uh, which is funny because I remember in Discovery when they called it General Order 1, people online were saying like, why do they always just refer to it as General Order 1? Why don't they ever say Prime Directive? And I'm kind of glad they didn't because it let them set this up here. That was clever. Well, good. That answered a question I had. And that was that did 
Discovery ever say Prime Directive? I know they said General Order 1, but I couldn't remember if they ever at one point ever said Prime Directive. So yeah. I guess not. So I, that's good. Yeah. I don't think they did because, yeah, I remember people complaining about that because people will complain about anything. Oh, they never said Prime Directive. <laughs> Didn't Archer say Prime Directive? Well, there's the one episode where <laughs> they do that ridiculous on the nose thing where Archer's like, I'm out here all alone and I have to make decisions and Starfleet doesn't tell me what to do. And until they draft that directive, I have to decide. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. All right. I know. <laughs> that directive. <laughs> I don't know where I got that word from. I don't know. Just random, I guess. I'm so random. <laughs> Well, uh, so with all of that said, we've got, like you said, the end of the episode, they set off to explore strange new worlds and Pike gives the little speech and Uhura says, <laughs> cool. And uh, we've got George Samuel Kirk on the bridge and they head off for new adventures and Bruce, final thoughts for Strange New Worlds episode one. This is the episode or this is the series I think that people wanted when Star Trek came back. You know, I think most people want it. You know, Discovery was trying to do something different and new, which I appreciate. And even Picard, you know, we're not going to do TNG again. This is something completely different and new. Well, this is taking an old thing and giving it a new paint job to it, essentially. You know, mm. a different type of pacing, you know, the ship looking more monitor more modern, but yet still looking like the classic in some ways and stuff, bringing back familiar characters, but, you know, tweaking them a little too. And so, so I think this is a really good type of series to do at this point, because for those who didn't grasp on to the previous live action series, this, I think will bring in a whole nother audience and a new audience, both classic and new. So it's a it's fun. There's a lot of good interactions with the characters. There's a lot of uh, things that have been hinted at with these characters that I'm looking forward to exploring. And again, it was just a traditional Star Trek tale. So I had a lot of fun with it. I'm looking forward to seeing new ones that have maybe some different storytelling to it that we've never seen before that works in this format. So I'm going to say out of the gate, it's a really great start. So I'm going to give this four and a half pancakes out of five Ooh. that Pike serves me for breakfast. Didn't those look good? Oh, man. They did. And he just slowly pushes them onto the plate delicately. Oh, and that, <laughs> that like little fruit compote beside it. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. I was so hungry. I'm so hungry now. Okay. <sighs> yeah. So I, I enjoyed this episode as well. I feel like a lot of the, the continuity issues and things that people have brought up with previous Star Trek series, the unfortunate thing with this format, with characters we've seen a lot, I feel like those have the potential to be magnified. So I'm still a little trepidatious about things like that. The Gorn issue, again, that's another one that like I'm seeing people online get a little worked up about it. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I think they'll work through those. I think they'll put it together in a way that makes sense. I'm maybe not as excited about this style of series as other people are because it's something that's been done before. And I really like the idea of Star Trek going forward and doing, doing new things that haven't been done before, like in Discovery, like in Picard, like in Prodigy and Lower Decks. 
That said, this was a comfort to watch. This felt like old school Trek. And I get that, that kind of desire to have old school Trek back. My worry is that this might dissuade them from taking more risks in the future. That's not to say that I don't want this series to do well. I want it to do very well. I want it to to be very successful. I worry a little bit that it might be like, oh, that's the way to do it. Play it safe. That said, I enjoyed the heck out of this episode. So I'm really of two minds of this. Overall, really enjoyed it. Loved seeing these characters so eager to learn more about all of them really enjoyed the kind of familiar feeling story, but like you also kind of hoping they take it in new and different directions that when we watch, we go, Oh, I didn't expect that. That's really cool. So yeah, I think there's a lot of promise for things to come in this series. And I think that stems from the characters and I really want to see more of these characters and more of their interactions and learn more about them. So yeah, this particular episode, I'm going to give, I think, four out of five flocks of birds wondering what the heck this big, huge thing is that suddenly appeared in the atmosphere is. <laughs> what's what's the other bird doing then? Uh, they're just kind of, they're, they're going, oh, not this again, because, you know, you know. I I think the other bird may have gone and sat on Q's shoulder and pooped on his outfit. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> well, Bruce, when you're not speculating about mysterious stains on Q's shoulder, where can people find you? <laughs> that really did bother me. I'm like, did anybody on the set not notice? Or is that a pattern that's supposed to be there and I can't make it out? But anyway, I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex, R-E-X. And you can also find me in our Facebook discussion group talking about this kind of stuff. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. YouTube.com slash Kurtratz Productions. And of course, like you said, in the Positively Trek discussion group, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Positively Trek, our website, PositivelyTrek.com, our Goodreads group where we talk about the books that are upcoming for the book club episodes. And of course, Patreon.com slash Positively Trek if you're interested in making a monthly donation to help the show out. We really do appreciate all of our patrons through patreon.com well we'll see you next week when we talk about the next episode of strange new worlds children of the comet until then i hope you have a great week and of course as always stay positive Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.